0: Welcome to the Lovely Radical podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and Lovely Radical is a mission that for me began many years ago, wanting to retain the ability to be lovely, whilst also being a radical agent for change and transformation in my own reality and that of those who are ready for more. I'm a life and business coach helping people all around the world become the leaders of their own lives, a master practitioner of hypnosis neuro-linguistic programming and something incredible called emotional change technique. I've taught around the world and for the last five years coached people across five continents and helped them remove their barriers to finding their soulmates, healing their bodies and making 10k months or more in their businesses. Because the key I've found lies in our unconscious mind, here we will discuss many things around mindset, communication, business strategy real self-love, manifestation, language, and so much more. Many of these topics have been requested by you. And we will discuss with some dear friends of mine who may pop in from time to time. This is a no-filter zone, and some of the content may trigger you. And that's great. Did you know that our triggers are actually the pathway to our desires? And we are usually triggered by things that are unfamiliar and that we haven't yet made sense of. And if knowledge is power, imagine if you have the wrong knowledge, and that's why you feel stuck. If you're looking for ways to take this knowledge to a higher level, you can connect with me anytime and ask about LRA, my coaching academy. So step into the arena, lean into the knowledge to integrate the light and the dark spirituality and business and let's have some fun while we create a better life than we could have possibly imagined together. Danielle Garner is an ownership coach, community builder, podcast host who is on a mission to unlock the world's radical confidence with her signature own your shit method. She uses a unique blend of neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, trauma-informed somatic work, story work, and primal play to help her clients make soul-shifting transformations that last a lifetime, nearly a decade helping hundreds break through to unimagined levels of confidence in short periods. Love that. She is also an MC workshop host, speaker for TEDx events, global fitness competitions, high school and college leadership conferences, and also is the proud co-founder of Warrior Woman, ATX named most empowering workout community for women in Austin, Texas. Danielle, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Um, You know, this is kind of funny. I love hearing my bio Hmm. because I worked really hard to write it. You know how long it takes to write a bio sometimes, (laughs) but it's never perfect. And so when I finally hear it, I'm like, shit, that's pretty cool. I did that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely it really is and, and we can get into those modes where we forget how much we've done and to have those moments of like oh yeah <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty freaking cool yeah <laughs> well, tell us a bit about your I like to call it the origin story like where were you 10 years ago and what made you to decide to build the life you have now
1: Mm, Such a good
0: question. Where was I 10
1: years ago? 19, uh, University of Florida in Gainesville. I was a Gator, go Gators. And this actually, this was a really great question, because that was right around the time where things started to shift for me. Well, Mm -hmm. a couple years after that, but I... um, You know, I like to tell the story as I was on the college conveyor belt, and I feel like a lot of people might resonate with this. I was brought up with this understanding and idea that college was security, go to college, get a great job afterwards, put me in a beautiful box with a pretty bow, and then I'd go off to live my life with financial security and health insurance, and I could climb the corporate ladder. And I was super bought into this idea. I was like, I was all in. I always wanted to go to UF ever since my older brother Went to school there. And I was really crushing it from the outside looking in. I did that on air quotes because, like, who the fuck knows what that means? But I had an incredible boyfriend at the time for about five years. I had started my business, um, which was boot camps and personal training. I had this community, and from the outside looking in, Danielle was killing it. Resume was beautiful, all the check boxes was super involved at UF but I was really, really miserable internally. I had no idea who I actually was. I had a really hard time looking at myself in the mirror and really realized not until a couple of years later when I had the language and the emotional intelligence to be like, oh shit. I was really addicted to external validation. And everything that I was doing was to please other people, right? Chronic people pleaser. Um, and so there was this huge misalignment from what I was doing and not even what I was doing. Cause I today do very much the same thing, but mm-hmm. who I was actually doing it for, it wasn't for me. And so at the time I had this business, I was coaching fitness and nutrition, uh, online and in person. And it was around this time where, when I originally had this realization of like, you know, what's up society. You told me to follow this path and do all these things. And here I am, and I've got the boyfriend and the resume and the job, and I own a business and I'm crushing it. Like, Why am I not happy? You, This is what you told me happiness and fulfillment was. And so the original shift when I, when I had that realization was shame. I was very ashamed. I was very angry with myself, with society, with my parents who fed me this idea. And anyway, um, From that, I realized that I had a choice. I could sit in this shame and I could continue being addicted to external validation and people pleasing my ass off. Or I could take ownership over my life and I could really dive into why I am the way I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I could lean into some of the fears I had around not people pleasing and not getting the external validation and I could really take my life back. And so I chose And, you know, fast forward, my life has unfolded and now I'm an ownership coach. And I do, again, a lot of the similar things I did back then, but with so much more authenticity and joy and presence, because I'm actually doing it for me. And because of that, the impact is so
0: much greater. That's so powerful. It was actually a post about sisterhood that I think I first saw of yours. I don't know if it was a client of mine who shared it. I was like, who is this girl? And it drew my eye because it was it was something you said in the post about how it used to make, it, make you cringe, having women kind of support you and be around you like that. It was so relatable to me. And I know a lot of the audience for a number of reasons. And I'm actually going to quote you from that post. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> so you said receiving, more so trusting that it's safe to receive has felt extremely unnatural and unsafe for me. I've always... Battled the internal dialogue and fear that I'm not if I'm not leading, I'm not valuable, and if I'm not valuable, then I will be abandoned. So, yeah, landed a lot. What has your experience been with receiving, whether it's in business or personal? And do you find it an important part of the entrepreneurial journey?
1: Mm, Two for two, you go. Great
0: question
1: my journey with receiving, it's still like, even the word I, there's like a little voice inside my head that's giggling a little bit. Cause it's like, what does that actually mean to me? Because I'm still really figuring that out. Mm-hmm. I'm still really figuring out what it means to allow myself to be fully supported by the people around me to take a compliment and not feel like I need to give one right back to balance the energy Um, and to also feel safe in my body when I'm not at the front of the room Mm -hmm. and this really big for me and still is very big for me. And one of the reasons why I push myself to go to events and to learn from other people to get more comfortable being the student, because this is something that was ingrained in me from the time really, I can remember, I joke with my friends all the time. I was student government president when I was in first grade. Like, do not mess with me. All right, Lil Gert is running for president. You better vote. My mom had us writing on wristbands and post, putting posters all over the city. And so this was a very deep conditioning that my role was at the front of the room. And mm-hmm. although I am a very natural leader, it's something that I, I just, I love to step in and um, direct and guide and inspire people to kind of find their place on a team, it did come at the expense of not feeling comfortable to slow down, to not do, and you and I were just talking about this before Mm -hmm. we started recording, but even when I sleep in for like an hour, there's this, you know, my lovely inner critic Gertrude popping off about how I'm being lazy. And so the journey really, for me, has been meeting this more feminine side of myself, because for me, my definition and, and, um, idea of, Femininity, part of it is the receiver. Yeah. She is okay just being and knowing that she doesn't have to work for her pleasure. She doesn't have to work for uh, validation and all these different things. And so it is still very much a journey. And actually, one of my reflection questions week to week is where did I allow myself to receive this week? And that for me has been a powerful check in. And where has this come up in entrepreneurship is such a great part of this, such an important piece of the question, because entrepreneurship can feel, I think it has for me, I'll say in my experience, it's felt very masculine, very do uh, go getter. If I'm not doing it, then it's not going to happen. And this is like kind of the initiator energy, but what ends up happening, and this is really relevant to my theme of the year, I've celebrated my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And one of my intentions was to make this the year of the pull. And what I've learned through entrepreneurship is pushing gets you far. It has gotten me very far pushing for projects, for people, for ideas, but it has also led me to extreme burnout and resentment for the work that I do because I have this story that it needs to be hard. And if it wasn't hard, I didn't deserve it. Mm. And so where this plays a role in entrepreneurship is remembering in the first place, why the fuck do we become entrepreneurs? One, we have a problem that we want to solve or passionate about something, but I know somewhere in there too, is because we want to have our own schedule and have time freedom and money freedom. But Mm. oftentimes, at least a lot of the entrepreneurs I talk to don't have time freedom, don't have money freedom. They're not happy. And so often those are our own self-limiting constraints. Mm. And so it has played a huge role in stepping back and realizing I stepped into entrepreneurship to impact and to serve and also to have a really great time and to work for a really cool boss. So if I'm not being cool to myself, then I should have just maybe worked for somebody else, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love how you touched on the burnout piece and the financial and time freedom stuff, because it it is always the reason we, you know, yes, we have the problem we want to solve. But I think the trend I noticed with a lot of entrepreneurs, why they don't get somewhere is because they almost don't want to admit that they want to get money for it. Sure. And- and the receiving of money and the belief that we are worthy of money or like money or you know whatever the story is running about money itself and I'm just going to segue a little bit from my questions because this has been a huge topic in the industry of receiving money um I'd love to hear like what has your relationship with money been like along the journey (laughs)
1: Oh, so good. Oh, this is my one. Now it's very new. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because it has been, uh, I've really intentionally focused on shifting my relationship with money, but really quick, before I say that Mm. something popped into my brain about what we were just talking about, which has to do with money. But when we're receiving, we are allowing space for God, the universe, whatever it is that you resonate with to communicate and to, um, yeah, to communicate through you. So if we're constantly pushing Mm. and doing, we're blocking this, this life force energy and this channel, putting up a wall, totally clogging your pipeline. Totally. Mm. And this has a lot to do with money as well. Um, I did not grow up in a family that really, that ever talked well about money, If we talked about money at all, which we did, it was always, we don't have enough of it. We're running out of it. When you get it, squirrel it away, make sure you save as, as much as you can. Um, and everything is limited and scarcity mindset, right? And, and I'm actually working with a hypnotherapist right now on my scarcity mindset, because I have to work really hard every day to be in an abundance mindset because my, Nurture, I will say, not my nature, but my nurture is to go to scarcity immediately. And so when it comes to money, I just, like so many people, it felt so overwhelming and draining and terrifying. And I was just, I always, I always have the story of like, I just don't understand it. I just don't get it. I don't get how to budget properly and why I keep fucking up my budget and why I keep spending more than what I'm bringing in. And like anything in life, one of my greatest, most passionate, uh, things to talk about and teach is our opportunity to upgrade our story. And I recognize that money, my relationship with money is just a story that I've been telling myself. Actually, it's like a tale that my parents had told me. And then I'm now just reciting that tale. And without the the recognition that I have the power to, to tell a different story if I want to, And so really over the last, I would say two years, I've really grabbed money by the balls, if you will, and chose to rewrite this story. And I've done it in a couple different ways. Um, I believe that money is energy, as I know is talked about a lot. And not just that money is energy, but that our relationship Uh, to money is all we really need to break it down to is what is the energy that we're hoping to feel and what are we hoping to um, like transmute and build with money money can be a beautiful and is a beautiful tool to help us live this beautiful life and I think it started my relationship with money started when I chose that I wanted my relationship with money to change and I didn't just say it I actually put practical steps in place. I started working with somebody. I started doing a little wiggle before I sit down with my finances. Like, you know, that song just got paid, just got paid. It's Friday night in sync. Yeah. Party. Yes. So I play that song. I fucking love that song. And so I put, oh, I great. play something that gets me in a good mood and I make money fun yeah, to the best of my ability. And when I feel overwhelmed, I celebrate that overwhelm because that means I'm making new neural pathways and I can learn something new about money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to stop there because I could probably talk about this for a while, but it's so pivotal to shift this
0: relationship. Absolutely. I agree. Talk to me about your Mm -hmm. self-trust. How did you identify that that was important and how do you cultivate it?
1: oh man,
0: this is good. How did
1: I identify that it was so important? I think it was originally in those moments. Well, now looking back, I look at all the decisions I made when I was, I mean, shit, even middle school, high school, where I was like, wow, I really trusted myself there. And if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have made that choice. Mm. But when it first really clicked for me was kind of in that time I was sharing about when I realized that The way that I've been living my life cannot be the way I continue living my life. It can't. Um, It just, it's not working. Even though it looks like I'm happy from the outside looking in, I'm really not. And I don't want to keep living my life this way. And when I started to initially have this realization, the overwhelm came from the lack of self-trust. And I I work with clients and this comes up a lot in my client sessions when we're about to make any sort of change, a relationship, a job, setting a boundary, whatever it is, a lack of self-trust leads to a lot of fear, excess fear. And so it was around this time that I realized that I was, I didn't trust myself to make these necessary changes because I can have fear right i think about when i moved to austin i had a shit ton of fear i was terrified i moved in the middle of a pandemic and i didn't know anybody and i you know all the things that come up but there was this underlying like the undercurrent under all of that fear was this sense of calm and that came from that sense of self trust so i realized it around that around then that it was so important It's so important, just not only if you're an entrepreneur, but just as a human to trust yourself, to navigate life, because life is always happening. Shit's being thrown at you all the time. And so how do I cultivate self-trust? I just talked about this the other day. One of the first things that I did, which is going to sound kind of like, duh, but was really big for me, was just starting to tell myself that I trusted myself. It was as simple as that. Looking at myself in the mirror and being like, hey, you girl, I see you, I love you, and I trust you. Even if you don't know the exact answer right now and you don't know what steps one through 17 are, I trust you wholeheartedly that you're going to figure it out. That's Bill. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, I trust that you're going to be able to figure it out. And just, it's almost, it's, a, it's really a form of reparenting. If this isn't something that you heard growing up, which I wouldn't say that my parents didn't trust me, but I don't really remember hearing that from them. Like, hey, I trust you to figure that hard thing out or you know, I have a big exam. Well, I trust that you're gonna do really well. And Mm -hmm. so saying that to myself was really nourishing for my inner child to be able to hear that. So that's one way I cultivate self-trust. And then I'll share one other way. Um, This is also really small. But I started to notice where I was giving myself trust away. Mm. I mean, something as little as like, um, um, I used to do this a lot. I'd be going out for the night and I couldn't decide on an outfit. And I know us girls do this all the time. This is a small example, but we, like we send the outfit to our friends and we're like, "Which one do you like better?" Or we're making a decision and we're like, "Well, which one would you choose?" I started by asking myself first, which one makes me feel the best which one makes me come alive and that also has been a big cultivator of self-trust of coming to me for my answers first before I go to somebody
0: else absolutely and it's such a thing where I don't know where we all pick it up to go to anyone else before we just sit with ourselves or look ourselves in the mirror and it can be quite confronting when you start doing it and like you say, there's all the chatter from the internal, you know, inner child, whatever we want to call it of, oh, this is silly. Oh, that's not real. Or you don't believe that, or that can't be possible because of this, that, and the other. So I think knowing that, knowing that it might be weird (laughs) in the beginning and doing it anyway. So
1: knowing too, I think I shared this with a client the other day, and this was a big, I have to remind myself of this all the time. There is no wrong choice. Mm. There's no wrong choice. There is just a choice and then more choices. That's it. We attribute, I remember when I was, when I, I had two internship offers, sorry, my hair is shedding
0: all over the place. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs>
0: I had like to be women guys. We all have. This. Yeah, <laughs> hair all the table.
1: can't even blame my cat anymore. Um, I had two internship options when I was a junior in college. And I remember like pulling my hair out, trying to figure out which one I was going to choose. It was between Amazon and another company. I don't remember, but it was really big in the business school; it was a big, big deal. I made all these pros and cons lists about which one, how it would go. But the reality is more often than not, we can't predict how something's going to unfold. We sure as hell try to predict it right? We do everything in our power to think of every possible outcome. And so I made all these to-do lists and I ended up going with Amazon Mm -hmm. and it was one of the worst, but best experiences of my life. I hated the internship and Mm -hmm. it is nothing, it's nothing against Amazon. It just, it wasn't for me. I was stuck in a building all day. Um, and I hated it. And I knew that I was going to hate it from the day, the first day I got there, it was a three month internship. And I remember being like, Holy shit. I made the wrong choice. I, I knew I couldn't trust myself basically. Mm. And what ended up happening, even though I hated the internship, it was one of the most important experiences of my life because it's what pushed me into entrepreneurship. Mm. If I would have gone through that internship with Amazon and seen at least one way that the corporate life could be, I would not have started a business. And it's just remembering there is no wrong choice. We do the best we can with what we have in the moment. We rock out and we learn, we learn from it. And if it ends up being the quote unquote wrong choice, I promise you, you're going to walk away from it a better person.
0: I wanted to get into the radical responsibility piece because, and I, I'm going to assume this is similar for you when it comes to the people who come to you, but I most of the people who come to me have done years of the work, and I'm doing that in air quotations because it's <laughs> there's lots of work you can do on yourself these days. Um, yep. but they've done so many years of it, so many layers of it, and there's still like something that's not moving or not shifting or not working for them. And I know for my journey, and for all those who come to me, it's that piece of radical self responsibility like that deeper layer. So I'd love to hear your experience with radical responsibility and why it's important for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you say radical responsibility, all I hear is ownership, right? Owning your shit and taking, yeah, taking full radical responsibility, taking your power back, being the author of your life, whatever metaphor resonates with you. Um, I think this is the secret of all secrets to a happy, fulfilled, wealthy, joyous, joyous, pleasurable, play filled life. Ownership is the prerequisite to a fulfilled life, whatever fulfillment means to you, Mm. because you own your definition of fulfillment, don't you? Yep. And I mean, this was pivotal, again, going back to the story of this moment in my life where here's my resume, I'm miserable. And then I'm like, oh shit, fuck the world you guys lied to me. It's really easy to get stuck in that mindset and play the victim. And well, I'm angry because my dad was angry. So I guess that's just how I am. I used to say that to my ex all the time. (laughs) He'd be like, I don't understand why you're talking to me like that. Well, that's how my parents communicated with each other. So like deal with it. And one of my favorite quotes is it is not always your fault, but it is always your responsibility. Mm. And if want to know the fastest way to freedom, it is to take radical responsibility and ownership over your life so that nobody, no past circumstance, no old belief or story, nobody else's opinion can limit you from your fullest self-expression and your most joyous life. And I mean, this is, this is the root of everything that I do. It's why I call myself an ownership coach Um, because again, that is freedom when you take ownership over your life. And even though something might suck, but you realize that you have the power to rewrite the story, to shift your reaction, to come back to love, nobody can take that from me. And Mm -hmm. in a world where we rent a lot of shit, where we give our way, our power in a lot of ways, let this not be one of them. Mm. Let this, for fuck's sake, let this not, I hope all these curse words are okay. Bleep me out. (laughs) Um, Let this not be one of them. Um, Yeah, radical responsibility, y'all, is, is, I mean, if you want to be a good mom, daughter, husband, boyfriend, wife, child, business owner, team member, you name it, good in fitness, all of it, it all comes back to owning your shit and choosing. It's like, it's like, choose your adventure. Mm. I think people are afraid of that power. I do because Mm. it is when you say radical responsibility, it's a shit ton of responsibility for everything to come back to me. Mm.
0: Yeah. Real scary. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. we're also, very much in an outer society that encourages the opposite I think you touched on that a little bit like that we encourage to blame and point the finger outside of ourselves and to not not look at a part of ourselves that may be dark or maybe bad or whatever you know especially I have a lot of people coming to me out of breakups and this was a pivotal part of my journey where it was like a horrible thing happened in a relationship and instead of going I mean there was a moment of pointing the finger (laughs) but then I had to turn that finger back around and go well if I've called that if I've allowed if I've attracted it how am I also those things and it was the hardest layer of work I had to do to go well maybe I do lie sometimes maybe I do manipulate in some way maybe I do gaslight in some way like if I can say that of someone else where is that in me and I talk a lot about like the law of polarity. Like if we want joy and happiness and abundance, but we're refusing to see the polar—it's polarity within ourselves. We're kind of keeping the door locked to that full expression. Absolutely. So it's I yeah. think pseudo
1: spiritualism when we <laughs> uh, when we pick and choose the things that make us feel okay. And I'm borrowing this idea a little bit from Mickey Singer, who wrote the book, The Untethered Soul, if you've heard of it, or The Surrender Experiment. Mm
0: -hmm. I was very
1: lucky that he lives in Gainesville, Florida, where I went to school. And he owns an incredible piece of land and a temple called Temple of the Universe. And so I've gotten to see him speak a number of times. And when I was back in Gainesville, I go every semester to lead a retreat there for U.S. Business School. And I made it a point to go back. Early, so I could hear him speak. Anyway, he mm-hmm. in this talk, he was talking about the three levels of spirituality. And he's like, level one, I wish I had my notes in front of me. It was so fucking good. He was mm-hmm. like, level one is when I'm conditionally okay. When I'm okay, when like things are flowing and life feels abundant and I feel wanted and desired, and da, 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 da. I am okay and I'm in touch with God or the universe when things in my life are okay. That is not spiritualism. Mm. That's not being spiritual. You are conditionally okay, which you are not okay if you're conditionally okay. Um, because that that insinuates that you feel like you have some con- sort of control over the external events of the universe, which we don't. Mm. No, we have internal control for sure, but we don't have control over the happenings of life. I didn't have control over my brother passing away. I didn't mm. have control over the things that have happened to me, but I have control over how I show up to those things. And so I don't remember what the middle step was. I might be messing these up a little bit, but the last, the, the deepest level of spirituality is I I am. I am okay. I am in love. I am loving awareness no matter what is unfolding in front unfolding in front of me. Excuse me. And I think it's it's this, this is so, so important because when we deny the darkness when we deny the pain uh when we point the finger when we push that part of ourselves away it doesn't go away it just gets stuck it gets Mm. stuck somewhere we were talking earlier about the channel the pipeline that's a clog in the pipeline when we can't own that we were hurt that we were in pain and girl, don't get me wrong. I've pointed many fingers too. I think it's just part of the human experience. I am a recovering
0: <laughs> victim. <laughs> right?
1: okay. and, and I see you and I offer you and and all of you are listening. Like this is not to shame the victim mentality, but just a call up, a call up to recognize if you really want to heal, it doesn't mean that you have to um, fully, um, you know, we're not talking about forgetting what's happened, but coming, shifting and transcending from anger or grief or um apathy to
0: neutrality, at least compassion at best. Mm. Yeah. You know, almost like the deepest layer of creating that self-safety. Because when you know your darkness or your negative emotions or what your shadow, whatever we want to call it then nothing outside of you can really shake you because you know that, or no one can shake you because you already know the bad, quote unquote, bad sides of yourself. And you've met them and you've accepted them or forgiven them or whatever needs to happen. You celebrate
1: them as wise, beautiful parts of you that have wisdom to share because Mm. all of our shit does. I was, I love my darkness. I was just telling a friend, that I know my purpose on this earth in this lifetime is to share my darkness. Mm -hmm. I grew up a jealous little gal, scarcity mindset. I told you I have to work really hard on catching the thoughts Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful gift for me because we are taught that our darkness is bad, that we should shun and this is where shadows are formed. Um, But if we can Honor our darkness and see the wisdom there. Again, there's ownership, and within ownership is freedom.
0: Oof, love that. A lot of freedom. I'm going to shift us gears because we've gone into the darkness, which is great. (laughs) Tell me about the wiggle. (laughs) Yes, I I know that. So, for anyone listening, I noticed that you love to dance as part of your part of your brand or your social presence, and it was a huge part, weirdly enough, of my entrepreneurial journey, mainly because as you move through the journey, I don't know, I'm sure it's the same for you. There are some heavy moments and like life will come at you. And it was dancing and like getting other people to dance with me online that really got me through a lot. So how did it begin for you? And how does it impact your journey?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked about the wiggle. I love talking about the the one minute wiggle um, how it began was I was a strength and conditioning coach at a college back in Florida. Had to get up super, super early, I had to be at the gym at like 5:30 in the morning. And I was trying to build some consistency with my morning routine. Again, this is the same time period as all these life changes are happening where I'm trying to come into myself. And I was really turned off by the idea that my morning routine had to be five hours and I had to meditate for an hour and then journal for an hour. And if I didn't do these things so in depth that I would fail the day, that was, I'm paraphrasing, but that's a lot of the, the mentality that was being fed and put out there at the time of like, I have the perfect formula for a perfect morning routine. And if you want to be the most enlightened, woke version of yourself, you must follow it. And I tried it and it wasn't sticking. And instead of just giving up on a morning routine as a whole, which a lot of people do Mm -hmm. when they try one thing on for size and it doesn't fit, they're like, fuck it, I'm done. Instead of saying, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me figure out why. Is it the length? Is it when I'm doing it? Instead of getting curious, putting their curiosity glasses on, they, they nix it. And Mm -hmm. I chose not to do that. And I said, okay, well, what would work a little bit better for me? I know that I want to wake up with a little bit more joy. I want to bring more joy into my day. And so the one minute wiggle was born. I gave myself one minute every morning because I was up at like 4.30 in the morning. um, Because I'm a really big believer that it's the first 30 minutes of your day and the last 30 minutes of your day that are some of the most important right when you wake up and right before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, We're very impressionable then our brainwaves are slow, slowed down and um, are absorbing a lot of information around us. And so how, you know, how you start that day is really important. And so that's how the woman wiggles born. And I definitely didn't expect it to turn into what it turned into, but then it just started to become this really incredible tool to break state. Mm. And that's an NLP term, at least that's where I learned it. Neurolinguistic programming break state when I want to get a client to um, shift their focus or come back to the present moment. And I recognize I needed that in my day-to-day life. I needed to break state, especially I'm going to speak for the women. We go through so many different emotions and energies throughout a day, and I would get really in a workflow or I would get caught in a thought loop, and I just needed something to pull me out. And mm. so the wiggle has just become, uh, an incredible tool for bringing me back into my body, which is again, so important as an entrepreneur, as a human, mm-hmm. how many humans are walking out there in bodies, but are not actually in their body. Yeah. And it's helped me through, I mean, my grief tremendously, tremendously. I started dancing more when my brother passed away um, because it just, it brought me back to myself and it's not always a happy wiggle. Sometimes it's a crying wiggle. Sometimes it's not even like, you know, what you'd see as like, quote unquote, nice dance moves. Maybe it's punching a pillow to a screamo song, mm-hmm. but another reason, and I'll then I'll shut up about this because this is another <laughs> thing probably talk about forever, but emotions are energy in motion. And so dancing and wiggling is a way for that energy to move through us. Uh, So it has been an incredible gift. I've loved sharing it with people all over the world and I'll never stop. I'll never stop dancing. It's just a way for me to own who I am in that moment and to honor who I am in that moment, happy, sad, angry, whatever it is in between. It's just a moment to acknowledge, Hey, this is the human experience I'm having right now. And I'm, I'm not going to deny
0: it. I'm going to celebrate it. Love that and you touched on curiosity in that as well and i i know the thing that got me through so much was a level of curiosity like anything that went well or didn't go well in life or relationships or community like i wanted to know what it was that was driving me or driving them and to behave in certain ways and i know this is a driver for you as well talk to me about the lens of curiosity
1: oh yeah oof this is another one of those it's like, I've been in this world and doing this work. I'll, I'll put my air quotes out too.
0: (laughs) People just need to watch this podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For me means the self-mastery world. I've been doing this now for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And the concept of the curiosity glasses is just one of those fundamental foundational topics that always comes up always, Mm -hmm. always, always comes up. And this was, this was the shift for me. This was the mindset shift from judgment and shame to compassion and Mm self-love and self-discovery. I really feel it's like, it's like the door. It's the door from that shame, that judgment, that guilt, the things that weigh us down. They're not bad emotions, but they are heavier frequency. They're denser emotions. And the curiosity was the doorway into that compassion and self-love. And this is how healing begins. We cannot heal through the lens of judgment or shame because judgment and shame just begets more judgment and shame. It's the curiosity that allows this. It's like a softening It allows this softening of the soul. It allows those darker, deeper parts of us to feel safe to come out into the light because they're not so afraid that they're going to be shunned and judged and we're going to try to trap them and kill them and put them in a closet and lock them away forever. It's it's this allowance that we give ourselves to be all of who we are. And so that lens of curiosity, I'd say this, we have... Literally, my last coaching call. I'm gonna do this. This is our lens of curiosity. Ah, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> the, y'all are gonna be listening to this. But if you ever seen kids, they flip their hands upside down and they make like weird glasses on their face. That's what I just did. Um, but it's it's a it's an entire um, reframe of the world, and I I like to explain it this way. Imagine coming into the world with pink tinted glasses on or contacts but you were never told you were wearing contacts you never re- they're invisible contacts they're invisible glasses you never realized you were wearing them and the whole world is pin- t- um, tinted pink and then one day somebody comes up to you me as your ownership coach or you as the coach and you pull the glasses off and now all of a sudden you can see the world in color. That's what the lens of curiosity allows you to do for yourself and for your world. And even for other people, when somebody hurts us, it's so easy to be like, well, fuck you, bitch, right? To take it personally, to be defensive. And I experience, I imagine I'm not the only one who experiences a lot in partnership when my partner does something and I look at it through the lens of curiosity and I get curious. It allows me to soften and him to soften and for us to come to a deeper understanding of why we are the way we are and ultimately just allows us to go back
0: and come back to love. Um, I ask everyone this question because it was the one of the big drivers of me starting my business Entrepreneurial journey, and it was the fact that I'd seen leadership done really well and leadership done really poorly. And I, I'm of the belief that we're leading whether we're leading one child or a corporation or a community. Uh, And so I'd love to know what does leadership mean for you.
1: Mm, I love this question. I'm gonna borrow a definition. It is not mine, but it is my favorite one since I read it when I was in high school. Stephen Mm -hmm. Covey's definition of leadership which is leadership is communicating somebody's potential so clearly that they are inspired to see it in themselves. Communicating somebody's potential so clearly that they're inspired to see it in themselves. And for me, leadership is, and, and that is also directed at myself. Leadership is communicating my potential to myself. Clearly, when I don't feel it, I have to lead myself first before I can lead others. And my only mission in the work that I do is to get people to see themselves the way I see them and Mm -hmm. to shine and reflect that mirror that they are capable, that they are loved, that they are deserving. Um, Because I think if everyone believed in their potential a little bit more, the world would be a, a happier place.
0: Absolutely. And the encouragement piece is so powerful because I'm sure you see many people who are ready and willing to do the work to become that version of self, but also many. And I know this has been hard for me to watch so many that I see that full potential, but who aren't able already to see it in themselves. And I know that was a big muscle I had to work on to continue to lead myself even when I was seeing other people not over and over and over again. Did that ever get to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a level. It, it sounds like, well, for me, like there's a, le- a level of frustration of like, why can't you see what I see? Like you want to yeah. shake with the shoulders. And I do think that there is a level of, you know, it's not just a matter of, I'm gonna agree to do whatever I want. Also, I just want to say this really quickly. There's a red cardinal outside of my window, mm-hmm. and that is always a sign of my brother. And mm-hmm. I have not seen a red cardinal in a very long time, and that is really cool. That that I'm literally looking at this cardinal fly in my trees right now. Wow, that's really cool. Hi Zachary. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, just important to call that call that out. And share that he's here, um, because my brother. Um, was a really beautiful example and unfortunately uh, also a sad example of somebody who couldn't quite see his potential and really struggled to see himself the way that I saw him that my family saw him um and so yes I run into that a lot and I think there is a level of um what's the right word we talked about this a lot in my in my trauma and somatics certification. But basically, just there has to be a level of self-trust from, for example, from us as a coach, when mm-hmm. I'm talking to a client who maybe can't see that she can get herself or that they can get themselves to the other side of this thing. Mm-hmm instead of me getting frustrated or over explaining or trying to throw a bunch of tools, because sometimes that works, but other times you just need space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just sit in the acknowledgement and, and, and um, sit in the acknowledgement of, I, I trust that they're going to get there. I have full faith that they are going to get there. And maybe it's not right this moment. Maybe it's in time because there are some necessary requirements, I think, for somebody to experience that level of self-trust or self-leadership or self-mastery. And it's not just about having the tools. It's also about having the willingness. It's also about having the right um, ability to regulate your nervous system and feel safe to receive and change. It's also about being in a, a good environment, a supportive environment. There's a lot of factors And so that frustration, I think for me came from a little bit of naivety, not, not really fully understanding the scope of what it takes to own your shit and to live with radical responsibility. Cause it's really fun to say like, yeah, go out and take ownership over your life. Mm -hmm. But if I have traumas and I have filters that, that hinder me from seeing the world clearly it's really hard to go out and do that and so I think one of the best gifts we can give people ourselves our clients and the world is that gift of I trust you to figure it out I
0: believe in you to figure it out yeah and stand there and hold that projection for them to rise yep hold that vision of them clearly totally thank you so much for sharing that about your brother as well it's beautiful and such a powerful example tell me it's so cool. I have a couple of those myself. So <laughs> uh, tell me what's next. What are you excited about?
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm in a, <laughs> it's my Saturn return. Not that I really know what that means entirely, but from what everybody's told me, yeah. shit gonna hit the fan, all my old shit's gonna come up and yeah. then I'm gonna be a person on the other side. Hmm. So I'm in a very big, transition period. Um, I've done a lot of really cool things with my life and I'm ready for the next evolution of what that looks like. I have some ideas. I want to continue to build this ownership mission and movement and speak all over the world. I'm stepping into more of my power as an MC and a master of ceremonies, which is really fun. Season three of my podcast, the ownership podcast is coming back. Um, But that question, what's next? I don't know, but I don't care because it's all going to be awesome.
0: Yes. It's all going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. And I-, I choose it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always a choice.
1: Oh, a choice. This
0: conversation has been such a vibe. And I'll have to look you up because I am actually planning a trip to Austin later yeah. this year. Please do. Yeah, I actually got for some reason called to to I just you know how it works, like all these things drop into your reality and I was like, why is this happening? I've never wanted to go to the States even. Texas, yeah. anyway, I've heard it's a vibe. So thank you so much for sharing your energy and your wisdom with all of us. And yeah, for those watching and listening, we'll catch you all in the next one. I'll pop all of her contacts in the show notes so you guys can find her and follow along because it's it's a real vibe.
1: I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day,
0: y'all. Thanks for tuning in for this episode. If you like this, please do us a favor and share it with your friends and maybe even give us a five star review. And be sure to tag us on your socials when you listen so that we can send some love your way. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with myself and the Lovely Radical team inside the Academy, make sure you head over to our website at www.lovelyradical.net or send me a DM on Instagram for a chat. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.